society who didn't want someone like me. That they didn't think that I had anything to offer. That I was just a nobody that was going to do nothing. The God of the universe looked down before time even happened and said, I want that guy. Mm -hmm. I can do something with that so guy. Good. He is useful mm -hmm. to me. I want him. From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome back to another excellent episode of Living the Word podcast, the place where we seek to love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our thoughtatron. Yes, the Thoughtatron. Thoughtatron. Pretty proud of that one. Uh, we're going to talk today about how God shows his goodness even in the most difficult of circumstances, how he is always in control. Uh, Pastor Ben, what's your experience with this sovereignty and goodness of God? Yeah, well, I'm stuck on Thoughtatron right now. The Thoughtatron. <laughs> so where, where did where, this come from? I have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. Thoughtatron. I think a Megatron, which Calvin Johnson was a football player. They called him Megatron. Think of the movie Tron. Yes. Tron. Back in the Tron. 80s. Yeah. No, no. Well, 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 yeah. Yeah. They had the old one that was in the 80s and then they did a remake, Tron, which I didn't think it was very good. Yeah. Jeff Bridges. He's, I mean, he's a pretty solid actor. Yeah. Yeah. Thought of Tron. So, yeah. Back to our subject. So, yeah. We just want to talk about how God can get glory through uh, any circumstance and in particular difficult circumstances we walk through. You know, as a pastor, um, I have to interact with a lot of different people in different seasons of their life. Like just for example, uh, two weeks ago, I performed a wedding ceremony and a couple got married and it's one of the greatest days of their life. I got to witness that, be a, be a part of that. But I've also sat at the bedside of, you know, family members that are dying because of cancer. And, and you just see, you see God's glory at the beginning of a marriage, mm -hmm. but then you also can see God's glory uh, even the most difficult, tragic circumstances we walk through. So I definitely have seen that as a pastor in relationship to people and in seeking to comfort during those times. I've personally walked through challenging times that would appear to not be an opportunity for God to receive glory. Like, how can, yeah. how can God get glory out of this? And uh, that, that's what we, that's what we want to talk about uh, for this podcast. Yes, and, and joining us for today, we have Ross Arsamont. Welcome to the show. Uh, Ross is 35 years old. You're from Homa. You're a software engineer, which is awesome. You're a Trekkie, so I appreciate that a lot. And also, not only a member of Living Word, but you actually work in the media ministry here at Living Word Church. Um, so welcome to the show, Ross. Well, thank you all for having me. This is a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, we are we are glad to have you. And um, so so yeah, Ross, you're 35 years old. Mm -hmm. So that makes you having been born in 1987. 1987. Well, where? So you're born in Homa. Yeah, I was born in Homa, but I was raised in Vista. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, people listen to our podcast in different platforms. So for those that are watching uh, on YouTube, you know, you see me and you see Pastor Dom and you see Ross right now, but. For those that are watching on Apple Podcast or Spotify or is, is, is any other platform I'm missing? SoundCloud? SoundCloud, maybe. But if you're listening to audio right now, Ross, people can't see you. So can you describe who you are, what you look like right now, um, and just tell us a little bit more about your life? Okay, so the gist of it is that I'm at a power wheelchair, big 350-pound monstrosity that uh, I just kind of live in, and uh, I've 
never walked, so uh, I have contractures, which just bend in my hands and my feet, so my wrists are bent down permanently, like that happens to break my wrists to get them straight again. And the same thing with my ankles. And uh, as far as the amount of mobility that I have, I really only have access to about four or five fingers at any given time, and then two toes, mm. and then my mouth and my brain. All of that is caused by the condition that I was born with, which is congenital muscular dystrophy. So uh, I'm sure you've heard of muscular dystrophy before. There's 40 or so subtypes of muscular dystrophy, and mine is, if you have to get it, mine is probably one of the better ones to get mm. because it is slower progressing than a lot of the other ones. But what it does is it essentially slows, it weakens my muscles and my organs over my lifetime. It used to be that people like myself would die very early. Like I was, um, the doctor said that I would die at two years old. And the Lord had other plans. Mm. I'm 33 years late. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so, but with the proper care and the, you know, medicine and just keeping track of it, I can now live a normal lifespan. Wow. That's amazing. So tell us, uh, remember we were talking a little bit there so ago, um, about how you, you, at maybe two, three years old, you were able to scoot around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was pretty much, you know, you've never walked ever. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, what I would like to do is I would like to, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'd like our listeners to kind of understand a little bit more what your life would be would be like. What's your what, what's an everyday life look like for Ross as he's living his life? You know, we we live the hustle and bustle, right? We are blowing and going. I, I, I get up at, you know, 5, 530 in the morning and I get up and start getting the kids ready by 6, 630. And we're getting out the house, getting them to school and mobility is a big part of our life and you mm-hmm. just described immobility is a big part of your life and dependence is a big part of your life mm-hmm. and so i want our listeners to to kind of feel what, what you know what would it what's it like for ross to live we know what it's like for us who are hyper hyper mobile we get in our vehicles and we drive five miles over the speed limit if we're if we're good um tell us what your life looks like from from when you wake up until you go to bed I know there's a lot of details there. Maybe not yeah, to go through yeah. every detail, but just give us a general picture. Sure. You say, you know, like you get up and you're, you know, ripping and roaring. And that's not terribly different for me. Yeah. Uh, it's just you say that I live a, a life of immobility. Just the way that you said that made me think that I live a life of mobility by proxy. That's good. So uh, I have helpers. That come in and, uh, you know, help me get up in my chair and uh, help me eat, use the bathroom, Mm -hmm. uh, take a shower, all that stuff. And so I'm essentially doing all of the same things that you are doing, but by proxy of someone else. And so just a normal day is I get up at 6.30 and my morning medical routine takes somewhere between an hour and a half and two hours before I can actually get in my chair and start doing something. So what's that medical routine you go through? So 
generally speaking, just um, I have to take a breathing treatment uh, that's combined with a lot of a vest that like shapes me really hard in order to keep the um, stuff in my lungs from sticking and settling. Uh, also for the people that are listening on the audio version, I also have a trach, which is just essentially a little pipe sticking out of my throat. I have a hole in my neck and which is attached to a ventilator around the back of my chair. That's why you're hearing this whistling in, a, in the background as I talk. Because whenever I was eight years old, my lungs collapsed and then they started filling up with all kinds of stuff you don't want them to fill up with. Mm. And so it was either get the trait or die. Right. And so my parents decided to have me get the trait. And so that's also partly why my voice might sound a little bit more like Gollum than mm-hmm. other people's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back back to your medical. You said an hour and a half of medical yeah. uh, things during the morning. But so you 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 get your body shook so the fluid gets moved around. Right. And, right. And so um, then after that, just the kind of the same stuff that you would go through: use the bathroom, get dressed. Yeah. Uh, but and, but but you you know you have to have yeah, somebody that's helping you to do all that, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, then. All of that just takes a while. It's it's not that many steps. It's just those steps take a while each mm-hmm. time. So anything that you might do might take me 20 or 30 minutes extra. Right. But it's all the same steps. And then by the time that I get in my chair, it's somewhere between 8, 8.30. And I, uh, my helper usually goes and makes my breakfast. And I'll read my Bible while they're making my breakfast. And then I... Um, so how do you read your Bible? Uh, I do it online. I either go on Bible Gateway or uh-huh. I use um, eSword, which is a program you can download on your computer. Nice. So whenever the internet dies, I still have my Bible. And then I just eat breakfast and get to work. Yeah. So what do you do for work? So I am a software engineer, right. like Dom uh, mentioned. So... I not only do the coding side of what you would think of as a software developer, but I also design systems. So, um, mostly whenever you build software, you're handed a a design of some fashion that has been created by an engineer or an architect. So what I do is I, I do a bit of both. So I design systems myself and then I implement them. I build them right. myself. And then um, in the evenings on the side, I also do live streaming on Twitch, which is where I get to interact with people online. I get to hang out with them. I teach them how to do software uh, and just spend time with them. That's that's where the Lord has me to uh, reach people that's my mission field that's how i go out that's good well you know there's so many things that come through my mind as i listen to you talk about your day and what that looks like mm-hmm. and i think for us as people who are not dependent on uh proxy mobility and i love how you said that mm-hmm. i think that's a great way to describe that that you're doing the same things we do but you just you need someone to help you do it um for those those of us who are not dependent on those um 
those uh, you know people to help us in our everyday life, we can take for granted the things that you know the things that 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 we do. Like it's just we don't take thought into you know, hey, I just get in my car and I go somewhere, or I get up and I fix my own breakfast, and I get up and I you know go and open my Bible and I and I read it, and I don't need somebody by proxy to help me. And I just think hearing somebody like yourself who as we're going to get through uh, some more of this podcast, you're going to start talking about, you know, some of the perspectives that you have. I think it's just such an encouraging thing to really Mm -hmm. think about. Uh, It's a challenging thing for us. So thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing that. I think it'd be good. Maybe we could talk about, um, you know, you've talked about, you know, when you were born, how you were born, the, the limitations through their disability, Mm -hmm. but how you're still active and mobile and you have a career and a job and, it's so awesome to see that, but I know it's not always been easy. And as a 35 year old man, um, you're a 35 year old man. Like you, you, mm-hmm. um, emotionally, mentally, you, you're just like any other man. And so what, what has it been like? What have been the, the challenges emotionally and mentally that you've had to walk through because of the challenges that, that you have? Well, it's interesting you bring it up like that because with really any disability that you deal with, there is the physical aspect of disability. There's a physical model of disability. The things that you see, you know, that you can actually observe. And then there is the social model mm-hmm. of disability. And for, I think it's safe for me to say, a lot of people with disabilities, the social model of disability is more oftentimes the more restrictive aspect of it than the physical model of disability because socially and this has gotten better as i've gotten older but this is still very much a thing that whenever people see someone like myself there is a general notion of oh man you know that guy's he's going through it you know Mm. he's having a hard time uh he's He's living a life of suffering and anguish, and uh, that's not that's not the case. You know that I'm just living my life. I'm doing it sitting down, but at the same time, the the social aspect of it is that there is a lot of assumption that people with disabilities don't have anything to offer. Mm. That they are limited. Their their physical limitations also limit their potential output of you know benefit to the world mm. and to you know individuals just personally. And when they're again, it's just not the case, you know. And it's it limits the amount of opportunities that people like myself have to get a job, to, say, get married, uh, to find lasting and meaningful friendships, um, to just connect with people in general because the assumption is that person doesn't have anything to offer. Mm -hmm. And... So that's where a lot of the struggle for me has been, you know, throughout my life. Not so much the physical aspect of it, but the social. 
you know, just the the understanding of society generally doesn't want people like me. And then growing up as well, being actually told to my face things like you're not going to be anyone, you're not going to do anything meaningful, you're not going to have friends, you're not going to get married, you're not going to get a job, you're just going to live a life of inadequacy, mediocrity, and nothingness. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, you're aware, you get told something enough times, you eventually believe it. And there is a lot of lies that you have to get over, you know, that the Lord has to break. That's not something that really you can do on your own. The Lord has to break these things. And for me, a big part of that happened at salvation for me, because I was saved on August 5th, 2001. So I was about 14 years old. And on that day, uh, whenever there was an altar call at the church that I was going to, my parents went out to the altar to be saved. And they had told me beforehand that they were going to do that. And they said, you know, this is your choice. You don't have to come up with us. This is between you and God. And so whenever they went, I didn't plan on going. And I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to feel this out. I'm going to see where it goes. I need to understand this a bit better. Because there had been people that had been pouring into me up to that point. And, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready. But God had other plans. And so as I was sitting there by myself, there was no one around me. Uh, I was like, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to keep, you know, thinking this through. I heard a voice. There was no one around me. And it was like, it was so close. And it was simultaneously so loud and so quiet at the same time that you could not deny that that was the voice of God. And all he said was, and I literally just went, you know, like, who said that? And I looked around, there was no one there. And it, the full weight of what had just happened hit me that even though society, and I was very aware of this even at 14 years old, even though that society didn't want someone like me, that they didn't think that I had anything to offer, that I was just a nobody that was going to do nothing. The God of the universe looked down before time even happened and said, I want that guy. Mm -hmm. I can do something with that so guy. Good. He is useful mm -hmm. to me. I want him. You know, Ross, I I, when you were talking about this idea of not being useful, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that your mm -hmm. testimony of how you came to faith. But I just kept thinking about how our society is so transactional. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that we do 
just think about our life, how many transactions that we make, whether it's with finances. I want to go get lunch, so I go through a drive-thru and I give my money or my debit card and I mm-hmm. make a tr- transaction and I get something from somebody. But not only do we do that with goods and services, but we do that in a relationship with each other. So I think as you described that earlier, uh, you said that people would look at your life and they'd say, well, he's going to be good for nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't make a transaction with Ross. You know, I, you know, he, I, I can invest in him, but he's not going to be able to invest in me. And I think it's so neat how the Lord has brought you kind of full circle to show that, you know, God, God, we don't maybe don't understand it all, but God made you the way you are. Mm-hmm. He created you're created in God's image and uniquely de- designed as you are because God wants you to pour into other people's lives just as much as we can pour into your life. It's so, mm-hmm. so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's so awesome. The way that I say it is, I am broken by design. Yeah. Hmm. Well, if we can, we're going to shift the conversation a little bit um, to um, what has the Lord done in your life and how has he done it through how God has made you? The best way that I can probably answer that is to reference Acts 17. Okay. Whenever Paul is talking to the Athenians and men of Athens mm-hmm. about the image of the unknown God, in his monologue there, he mentions that all nations, that God appointed all nations for their times and their boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I like to look at that on the individual level as well. And it says that he does this so that you will, so that they can seek him, to grope for him that they may find him, mm-hmm. even though he is not far from each one of us. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned that God made me this way to specifically put me in the best position possible to seek him, (laughs) to grope for him, that I might find him, Mm. even though he was never far from me, and that that's the case with with a lot of our, what we would consider suffering. Mm. You know, that that's the Lord's Using this to be like, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. You feel like you're the dark rope. Just reach a little bit. I'm right here. You know, that was a, that was a big thing. And that in and of itself kind of, kind of leads into, to John 9, which the disciples asking why was the man born blind? And, uh, Jesus said, so that the works of God could be revealed in him. So that, so essentially we are groping, we're seeking, we're reaching so that we can find God because he's already reaching out to us. He always initiates. And so that once, once we make that decision to reach, even though he's already reaching first, then we can give him permission, essentially, to do his work. Because the way that I've observed through Scripture that God works is that God starts the work, we line up to what God's doing, 
and then he finishes it. <laughs> so good, Ross. Can you can, can you repeat that? Yeah. God starts the work. God starts the work. Man lines up to what God is doing, and then God finishes the work. So good, brother. Can I steal that for a sermon? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like what I what I hear you guys talking about as you're talking about how society would see you as not being able to offer anything, and Ben talking about a transactional world. Like you're describing grace, mm. yes. and and all of us, all of us need grace. We have nothing to offer God. Mm-hmm. We have nothing that we can say, Lord, you should like me more because of, or I've done these things, and yet God calls our names. You know, yeah. that's powerful. That's Singles crazy. us out. Yeah. Which kind of leads into what I was going to say next, because I think it's in First Corinthians. I, I get my books mixed up where it talks about, remember your calling. You know, mm. not many strong, not many wise, mm. not many noble are called. But God uses the, the foolish according to the flesh, the weak according to the flesh, the face and the despise. To bring to nothing the things that are, so that no one can glory in his presence. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. That's good. So God uses suffering, tragedy, difficulties as a way to move us to seek him, to grope in the dark for him, to know him. Ross, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, It is true that... God wants to use the weak things in the, in, in the world, I guess, from the perspective of the world. People will look at you, as we said earlier, as weak and limited and not much to add to the conversation or add to a situation because of your quote-unquote limitations. But uh, God gets glory in and through your life. And I think it's because of your, your perspective. That God has given you the perspective that you really don't have any limitations that God can get glory through you as much as he can get glory through me. And that's just powerful. Mm -hmm. So I want our listeners, especially those that are a part of living word church that are listening to this to know how it is that you serve at living word. Um, You know, again, yeah, kind of thinking to the way that we tend to think this transactional type mindset, we think, well, what can Ross do? at Living Word to be a servant. You know, we ask people to go through Grove Track, become a member and serve at Living Word. And you can serve in this ministry, that ministry. And um, there's some people who who don't really serve in the body of Christ in any in, in any way. They just attend and uh, they have, they wouldn't have any quote unquote limitations physically. They, they could do anything they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. And But yet you, with what people see as limitations, you serve. So tell us what you do uh, week in and week out at, at Living Word. Well, before I answer that, I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention this when we were asking about the mental and emotional aspect of it, that, you know, part of the the being told both directly and indirectly, you know, you're essentially useless, it creates almost an inherent need, at least within me, to be useful, you know, almost as a way to prove that wrong, you know, and also whenever you're told that enough times, you eventually feel like a waste of space in the air. And so, you know, that's to serve, to be useful is the best way for me at least to combat that, to actually feel like 
hey, my existence is, you know, worth something. God did give me abilities to do something. But to your question, what I do is I primarily work on the live streaming side of the LWC production. Uh, whenever I started, the uh, live streaming setup was less than optimal. Mm-hmm. And I uh, used my experience from, from, at the time, seven years of live streaming on Twitch to uh, redesign the systems that we had here to uh, work out a lot of the visual and audio kinks that we were having. So you're saying that we had a less than optimal live stream service at Living Word? He said that specifically. He in did. Those words. I think those that are watching would probably agree with you. They've had the live stream problems. Especially if they were with us during the COVID yeah. thing. <laughs> so you've, you've sought to help that and to, to yeah. make it better. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Pastor Matt, who's behind the camera, can attest that I was texting him often, <laughs> you know, trying to give suggestions, you know, prior to me actually coming in and starting to serve. But after doing that, uh, I now do the live directing uh, once a month, sometimes twice if it's a uh, five-Sunday weekend mm-hmm. or month. Uh, and I also edit the Sunday messages for YouTube. And then I've also done some side projects for the editing side of things as well. So the live video directing, you, you make sure that the camera's always pointed um, uh, for uh, like a good angle of yeah, me preaching. Good angles. You always want the good side of Pastor Ben. <laughs> right. And I'm always trying to, like, whenever you turn uh-huh. to your right, I'm always trying to catch you on the side. Yeah, you noticed it one time. You like, you turn and you're like, I see myself. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I've done this to you so many times. You just noticed it. That was a weird preaching moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's when a preacher shouldn't say what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's, that's wonderful, Ross. Uh, I just think it's really neat that, you know, again, what you just said about some of those emotional struggles where people will subtly and even not so subtly communicate some things to you concerning your limitations and your uselessness. There is that sense of what you're saying of you want to be useful because it helps combat against maybe the lies of the enemy that would want to come in and tell you, you know, well, they are right. I'm not really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Thank you for sharing that. And we're glad that you're part of the serve team here at Living Word. So I, I guess maybe to kind of start to wrap up, it would be good to maybe get you to share, uh, speak to the listener that's out there that's walking through difficulties or challenges, um, but whether it's a diagnosis they, they've just had or they've lost a loved one or just they're, they're walking through some emotional difficulties because of suffering. And so somebody who... Um, has, I think, has a, an amazing perspective about trials and difficulties. Um, just maybe speak to the listener. What would you like to share with them to help them? Well, I think I would repeat that process of what I said earlier, starting in Acts 17, you know, that we, that we are put in these times, you know, because it says that God put us in the time and the place. So that we would seek him, so that we would grow, so that we could find him, because he's not far. I think that's where it starts. I think that's where it has to start. So that, you know, that we are here in these moments, 
so that we can learn to seek God through Christ. Which then urges us to submit to his work. And how, how does it say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works, my soul and those that will. Mm-hmm. That we are submitting to that work. And so that the works of God can be revealed in us, and I would venture to say through us, so that because we are weak, because we are foolish, because we are based and despised, God can take that and make and shine his strength, his wisdom, his nobility, his glory through that so that he can get all of the honor, all of the praise from that. And we get the benefit of being part of that work so that not only will it eventually benefit us, you know, because all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, but also that someone else is being benefited, that God is reaching someone else through that, and that we get the honor, the privilege of being a part of that work. And I know it sounds like, oh man, can I can I get the honor and privilege of doing something that isn't as quite terrible <laughs> as what it is, but at the same time, like those are the things that work most powerfully. And so just to reiterate that we we grope and seek because he's already reaching for us so that we submit and let him do his work so that he can get the glory. You know what I hear over and over again through the words you're saying is that it's really not about us. It's not. Yeah. I think that's that's where we struggle whenever we suffer is because we're so focused on how we feel and what we think and our emotions in the moment. And those are real things we walk through, but I think the quicker we can come to realize that it's not about us, but it's about the glory of Christ. That's what he's after. I think the quicker we can have a, 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 a perspective change, mm-hmm. the one that you're talking about. Did you want to add something? Something that's no, in your I'm heart, Dom? No, just this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ross, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast I know I can speak for Dom and for Matt behind the camera. We've, we've enjoyed um, having a conversation with you. And, and, and I think it's going to be a blessing to everyone that's going to listen. My prayer is, you know, this podcast is going to be heard after I've preached John 9 about the man born blind. Mm-hmm. And I pray that you will be a living example. You know, someone who was born with a disability, nothing that you did, wasn't your parents' fault, wasn't your fault as with the man born blind. Uh, but it's for the glory of God. And I pray that you would be a living example to those in our congregation uh, of a man who has the right perspective and who God is getting uh, glory through his life. And I pray that those in the congregation, that they'll come and see you and say hi to you and not be nervous to be around you or fearful to talk to you because yeah, I, I, I know that that's what you would want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, please do. <laughs>
<laughs> well, thank you, Ross. Yeah, thank you. well, thank you for being with us. We really appreciate your spending some of your valuable time with us. And uh, remember that God uses our suffering to turn us to, to come to him. He uses it to pull us closer to him. And so definitely like, subscribe, comment, and all that good stuff. But it's been a pleasure being with you guys today. Have a great day and see you next time on Living the Word Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word Podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word Podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.